Yeah. Well, hey, pretty soon you'll be able to be the be a move into some of these uh, senior living 55 and over, dude, where it's like super cheap and pretty nice. You know, should take advantage of that shit. Shut up. Hey, it's not too far off, right? <laughs> You're right behind me, buddy. Yeah, a little bit behind you. Welcome to Scatterbrain Podcast, episode 82. Ah. Th- thanks for that tirade, you know. Yeah, yeah. I noticed uh, you had taken down the other little clip, too. Oh, yeah, I had. It was cathartic. It served its purpose, so. Sure. Well, for those that are listening, if you don't follow us, you can find us on Twitter at ScatterbrainPod and on Instagram at ScatterbrainPodSD, as in San Diego. Uh, we're on all the other, you know, all, all the main podcast platforms, as you know, Ian um do you listen to spotify is that your main thing for consuming music i know but what about for podcasts yes yeah same thing yeah i think we've talked about it before but i pretty i do not like spotify for consuming podcasts just how it doesn't remember the settings and the preferences and stuff individually you know oh i don't have a problem with it really i think it's a different setup on the android though Perhaps, perhaps. You, you don't listen to a ton of podcasts, though, do you? Uh, there's about five that I listen to, yeah. Like, oh, yeah? Relig- like religiously, I, I listen to about five of them, yeah. Interesting. Uh, uh, stuff You Should Know, Stuff They Don't Want You to Know, um, Death is Everything, and the NFL podcast um, with Dan Hansis, you know, and Greg Rosenthal. And my favorite one is probably the uh, Jeselnik and Rosenthal Vanity Project. That's probably my favorite podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Anthony Jeselnik is kind of an interesting guy. He's this funny show. as hell, dude. He's so funny. He's so like, just what's the word? Acerbic? I don't know. Caustic. Yeah. That's a good way <laughs> to describe him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of mean spirited, but funny. I don't know. Says it like it is sometimes. Yeah. So what's his show? He just kind of has people on like a talk show or what? Oh, no, no. It's just, it's just him. And that Greg Rosenthal is his best friend, that NFL guy. And then their producer, Erica, something comes in and uh, she, she says stuff every now and then. They don't have any, no, they don't have any guests or anything at all. Huh. They'll just, they'll just talk. And he'll just like talk about things. And then they do like a little news bit. And, and at the end, they have a recommendation station where they suggest books or, or movies and things like yeah, that. Cool. It's pretty that's formatted, cool. but it's funny. It's funny. That's, that's good. Good to have sometimes. Yeah, definitely. So it's, de- but it's like a, it's not a, it's focused on being a comedy podcast. They're doing their jokes and that's kind of a conscious thing or is it more, it's just funny. They just talk. Virtue of I mean, context. They, just, they just talk. It's not, it's not like they have a special topic. They do like, they do like funny news bits. They'll have three or four news bits of the day that are really weird or funny or fucked up. And then they'll talk about that. But otherwise it's not really very structured, especially they just talk. Yeah, that sounds kind of fun. Yeah, it's a good one. It's funny. I'm surprised you don't listen to it. No, it's it's a, there's so many, dude. There's so many podcasts I want to get into, and I've flagged them to watch, listen to later on. And it's just there's a lot of time, you know. I'm actually working on on finishing up a podcast I've been listening to for years called uh, "We're Alive." It's like oh, an wow. audio drama kind of thing, but about zombies. And they oh. started it. They've been going pretty much near the beginning of podcasts if i'm not mistaken with but they do like the fully effects and everything so it's like a actual radio drama yeah pretty cool um so i 
had listened to that pretty regularly for a while, then kind of stopped because I had gotten caught up and then didn't listen to it for years. And so now I'm going back and been listening to that. But I have a ton I want to listen to. It's just hard to find the time, I guess. Yeah, I don't listen to any of the ones that are like like stories or anything. I mean, I'd rather have something where they're talking about topical things or news or, or things like that, you know, or, or comedy. I like comedy stuff. Yeah. But it, yes, yeah. kind of kind of randomly, um, I meant to mention this last week. I saw an article. Did you see it about the human footprints that they found in New Mexico that pretty much pushed back the, the history of humans even further? It's not the ones where there were like human footprints, like underneath dinosaur footprints, which suggests that humans were around before dinosaurs, right? Is it that one? Um, I don't think that's the same type of deal. Yeah, I think, um, that, was in, I think that was in Australia or something. Yeah, yeah. that sounds like sort of suspect. <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah completely suspect yeah. yeah yeah so apparently they this is in there's a study of a re, team of researchers led by matthew bennett of bournemouth university in england and they had found these footprints on a was at one point was a ancient lakeshore in new mexico in the uh-huh. uh, white sands national park and uh because of other evidence that they had had that was pretty established in terms of the, the dating and everything like that because you can't really mess with the strata you know what i mean like all the layers are the layers they can you can correlate them with each other so they're pretty confident that these footprints were made between 21 and 23,000 years ago which would place human habitation in the, in the americas uh, at least 5,000 years earlier than is widely accepted uh-huh. so that's kind of interesting it just shows you how little we know about long ago and how our picture of, of things is not, it's gotta be wrong and incomplete, right? We just keep finding different things that shift the narrative and the timeline. It's constantly changing and getting pushed back. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and these footprints, uh, I guess they were mostly, there was more than one set of footprints, you know, uh, mostly kids and teenagers. And apparently from what they can tell these footprints, were like spanned a significant amount of time like so for thousands of years it wasn't like oh someone just walked by like they were in that area for a very long time well how do they know they're that old uh because they were discovered at a site where um, they had found uh other sediment that contained seeds and aquatic plant material that can be carbon dated oh so yeah and so then they were in that same layer you know however they were able to correlate the layers and that gave a pretty good estimate for the time wow and you know there's there's a lot of that you could call sketchy evidence as one of the examples you gave that's that dates people further back yeah but this new evidence is pretty it sounds like from what i read sounds like it's being well received by all the contemporary researchers like oh this is pretty hard to doubt you know just given the other evidence that was i guess pretty well documented how far back did they date it what was it dated uh 21 to twenty three thousand years okay so yeah. that's about that's about how far back they think that gobekli tepe um those monuments in turkey that's about how old they think those were too so um uh, okay they, this of... article is just saying that that puts it at least five thousand years earlier than was widely accepted so maybe widely Gobekli, accepted yeah widely i was accepted. gonna say maybe so gobekli tepe is not i mean 
well, we know humans were hunter-gatherers going way back even further than that. Or is that sure. what are they saying that that's when they were like forming cities or forming, just you know, being there and living. So it wasn't just yeah. like, they, like someone crossed by and there happened to be this one set of prints. There were a right. lot of prints. So they were living there. Living there, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. Because they, they're still trying to figure out if that go blackly tip is like just wanderers, like built the shrine that they got, they went to worship at, you know, as they're passing through or whether they actually lived there, they don't know. But if they did, then that would push back civilization to about 20,000 years is what they're saying. Yeah. So this might be just a few more than that. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. Kind of cool. I thought that was an interesting article when you have, because you can have all these little stories and suggestions and things, but then when you have what's a little more accurate, would be a little more accurately uh, correlated information that's not doubted, that's pretty, pretty locked in. Right. And that's kind of cool that there's not really guessing at least, at least that's a baseline for what you can go for from there. Right. Cause like we said, it just keeps going further back. I wonder what iteration we really are of, of people on the planet. That's a weird thought. Yeah. I'm thinking about it a lot lately. It's like, God, the planet's been around for how long? How long has earth been around? So to speak. Right. I'm not sure. I think four, our solar system was 4 billion years or maybe earth is 4 billion. Somewhere I think around it's there. 4.3 uh, let's see, 4.345, I think 4.345, 234, 4.234 billion years old. Billion, dude. Billion, yeah. not million. That's insane. So yeah. God, there could be hundreds of iterations of, of hominids on this planet that we would never know. That's weird, dude. Yeah, or the reptilians. <laughs> or the reptilians, right? Or the, or the insectoids. Yeah, like or, sea or, stacks. Yeah, or little grays. Yeah. Or hell, it's that's long enough. It could be, could be just another set of humans, like like us. It's long enough that you know who knows could have just cycled itself, or we could have been recycled somehow, right? Yeah. Well, you said you were talking about um, that was Planet X or whatever planet. Oh, the Anunnaki. Yeah. Yeah, and every twenty thousand some years, twenty four thousand years, twenty thousand years, whatever it was, that that orbit would be on. Well, there you go. Maybe it's every twenty five thousand years it happens. And they supposedly influenced the uh, the first known culture, right, in Iran or Iraq, where the where the rivers meet, the Tigris or whatever. And they did. The, the Anunnaki supposedly influenced um, influenced that culture somehow, according to those tablets that uh, Zachariah Sitchin deciphered. He says that that's what happened, right? Yeah. That's, I mean, that's just his interpretation of what right. deciphered, right? And and. Um, like I was saying before, though, that could just be a good story that, you know, one of the first fiction writers came up with, you know, fiction authors. It could just be made up, even if that was what it was really written on those cuneiform tablets. Right, know? right. Yeah, you brought that point up and we, we talked about it before that, you know, why couldn't they have authors and artists and stuff, right? They... Well, sure. Just because we make shit up doesn't mean that they didn't, you know. Right, exactly. And just like artists, you know, you see like the different um like on stones that are tens of thousands of years old in caves and whatever and there are like there are there's artwork that looks like aliens or spaceships like yeah. modern spaceships like flying saucers you know maybe they made that up too you know and they didn't actually see that but it was a pretty labor-intensive thing to put artwork in those caves though and they pretty much only depicted their daily life like hunting and cooking and things like that so if they're going to put like flying saucers in the sky then it's most likely something that they saw. Well, it would you know be. I mean? It would be. Yeah. I mean, we don't yeah. 
people are creative and they can come up with things, right? But any sort of thing, whether it's, you know, um, an HR Geiger type of drawing or something, you know, they're, they're, they're going to have, it's going to be based off of something that correlates to our experience, right? Maybe HR sure. Geiger is like these um, robotic types of pseudo animals or something, right? Or, um, yeah, yeah, right. Or it could be impressionism with just all the crazy colors and, and patterns and stuff yet it's all still regardless of what the quote-unquote art part is it's still based on something so even if like how, how would these guys if they were making this up there would have to be some basis for them making up some sort of craft right sure they're not gonna think That's of what, something yeah. with that, that looks like it flies if they haven't thought of that for some reason, whatever that would be. Or, or seen it. I mean, they could have dreamt it, right. but chances are they're, they're depicting their daily life and that is something they saw and couldn't figure out, you know, well, what could that have possibly been, you know? I mean, you go far enough back and they're not, I mean, it's not advanced enough and you have, and it is so labor intensive to, to make the paints or whatever you need for the walls and, you know, and to actually put it up there. And, and they're probably not just going to make it up and make up a bunch of bull crap. It's they're depicting what they're doing or what they're seeing, you know, whereas like now, like if someone 20,000 years from now, we're wiped out. Someone found one of my pictures of one of these weird monsters, you know, probably, maybe, I don't know. They're not going to look at that and go, look at what used to exist. Look at what you look at what they saw, you know, but actually it's just something I made up in my brain. Right. So not everything that you see going back is going to be what they saw or factual, you know, like. No, but I, I just mean that draws on their experience, right? So draws on, for yeah, example, yeah. for example, no, you're right. I don't right. think that they would be me as an artist. I'm not an artist, but let's say I'm going to paint something or do something like for me personally, I'm not saying other people think different, don't think differently. But for me personally, there's, there's going to be all these things that I cannot possibly even imagine will exist. 20,000 years from now, if people still exist or whatever it ends up looking like, right? Uh, technology or otherwise, because I just, I've, it hasn't crossed my mind. I don't know that's possible. It doesn't inspire it for me. And I think there's like an evolution, right? In order to be able to think of something that flies, you have to, you know, eventually gradually build up. So maybe the first things were people trying to replicate birds' wings, right? Because birds fly. And eventually we realized that wasn't the best design. Let's design wings in a different way. And it's like an evolution, right? And so I think that would be the art as well would sort of mirror the experience. So I guess what I'm saying is it doesn't, it's not beyond reason that they could have seen something before. And as you said, it's like, we're just another iteration of the process, the rise and fall cycle. Yeah, definitely. So you'd have really intelligent and creative people and then you have the other side of the spectrum such as this guy that i read about on vice it was about this man uh it was in turkey his name was behan mutlu he's a 50 year old man he lived in a rural region of turkey and he was out with his friends and just got it was so hammered he wandered off into a forest and he never returned so his friends were worried and alerted authorities right because something happened to him so they set up a search and rescue mission and I guess it went for hours and hours. And this guy, Mr. Behan, was part of the group <laughs> calling out, looking for himself. <laughs> what? Yeah. Did he realize he was looking for himself? No, he said for hours, they were calling out this guy's name. 
when suddenly a man from within, this is, I'm quoting here, suddenly a man from within the group spoke up and reportedly said, who are you looking for? I am here. It's unclear how he found himself in his own search party or how his friends didn't realize he was right under their nose the whole time. Oh my God. Were they all drunk? Yeah. Oh yeah. That's what it sounded like. Oh dear God. <laughs> That's only happened to me three or four times. So. Oh, not so nice. bad. <laughs> You're looking that, for yourself. <laughs> that's just ridiculous. That's so funny. Yeah. So, did they arrest him? No, they were able able safely to escort him home. He was okay. Did they lose him on? <laughs> did they lose him on the way home? Uh, I, got, I have no <laughs> that idea. That would be hilarious. We <laughs> found lost. <laughs> we found him and then lost him on the way home. Oh, dear God. Well. You want to review this album that you uh, you wanted to review? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Uh, so we're talking about Torn Arteries from Carcass. This was released September 17th, 2021. It's 10 tracks, 49 minutes and two seconds. Uh-huh. Um, you know, you don't have to give too much background, I guess. These guys are pretty much... Been around forever. Been around forever, been part of the whole grindcore and eventually death metal type of movements. Now, they've been around forever, but this is only their seventh album. Yeah. Well, they had a lot, a lot of different things going on, it looked like. But then they were on yeah. hiatus for a while. Uh, 10, 10, 10, 10 or 11 years, years or yeah, something. something like that. Yeah, 96 to 2007 or something. Yep, that sounds right. Yeah, that sounds right. But if you look at the things starting from 87, you know, pretty much every year of something, a single or EP or something until, yeah, 97. They really sure like EPs, it. yeah. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Because you can just blast them out, get three, three, four songs in, and you're done. Well, I don't know, but I know this last one they did it because of the, the COVID thing held off the album from being released for like a year, I guess. And so they wanted to put some songs that they could put out, like four songs that they could put out just so everyone gets a taste of what's coming, right? Yeah. Which was a few months ago, I guess, you know. But this this album was supposed to be released uh, over a year ago. Oh wow. Yeah, August, guys, August of 2020, yeah. Wow, that's crazy. These guys are from Liverpool, England. Yeah. Um, and they formed, as we said, in 86. And um, they were originally grindcore. And then they changed quite a bit into more of like a melodic death metal type of thing. The stuff, the yes. early stuff is nowhere, nowhere, nowhere near this out al- this album, for example, right? It all sounds different to me. I mean, there's like even like almost like classic rock or something going on there. Yeah. Yeah, and at least one or two of those tracks, that's the case. Well, uh, one, of their, one of their albums from like 20 years ago is almost just like a 70s rock or something. It's bizarre shit, dude. Yeah, that was... Uh, doesn't even make sense almost. Was it Swan Song, I think? Uh, I think so. And then, yeah, and then I remember in the late 80s, early 90s, my band really liked them. And I just remember them being, for me anyway, just like almost unlistenably heavy. Like the vocals were really just fucking you know and it's not like that anymore at all he doesn't sing the same at all it, it kind of threw me off because it's not what I, this album is not what i remember carcass being you know yeah well they changed a lot i mean they have two of the original members still uh yeah. jeff walker on bass and bill steer on guitars uh, the both of the guys did vocals at different points but you know bill steers came right from napalm death right at that same time and that's really what they were. It was a grindcore band initially. Right. And then, you know, like I said, over time, and then they released some death metal classics, you know, like uh, Heartwork and what's the other one? Uh, Necroticism and uh, Surgical Did, Steel. Wait a minute. Didn't, didn't he play on Napalm Death's first album, Scum? 
Yeah, Bill Steer. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there's the tie-in. Okay. All right. Yeah. Trippy. And then like all of them are singing on one of their first albums, I think, for Carcass, I mean. Weren't they all singing because they lost their singer? Um, I think maybe. I think so. Yeah, I think so. And then he took over full time. Weird. God, yeah, they're just kind of all over the place. But all over the, the place. They've been yeah. around. Um, but they you look at their their catalog and they've just been part of that whole like genre defining, you know, the different points in their their discography, if you will. Yeah. They've all been genre defining in some way. Now I didn't realize till I was reading up on them a little bit. Um that uh they're connected with arch enemy too i thought that well, was yeah uh michael Ahmet, he used to play it with carcass right and he's he's one of the the guitar players i think they're brothers right that they're were brothers yeah they're brothers. arch enemy yeah so he was in there for a few years i don't i don't know exactly when i think maybe like the 2000s early 2000s right. maybe. and i think he went back to arch enemy i'm not i'm not sure entirely i'm not a huge like carcass aficionado or anything so. yeah nor am i but they've been around you know and i'm sure you know, we're not blazing new territory here by reviewing this this album. They've been around, yeah. <laughs> so, um, did you did you like this? So, <laughs> I have to admit that when I first put this album on, I was a little disappointed. Yes, yeah, I just didn't click with me. Yep. I'm not sure if it was because I was just in a rush, going where I was going. When I popped it in, I wasn't in the mood. Um, but now it started the second time I listened to it. It's grown on me. And what's funny is ironically, the first the first song, the first track, the title track, has come to be one of my favorites, even though really? it didn't necessarily draw me in at the beginning. Yeah. Hmm. Um, but then there's like the track two, the dance of Ixtab, the psychopomp and circumstance march number one. Wow. That's like a throwaway pop radio song or something like that. It's just I don't get it. Yeah. I don't yeah, like it at all. Part part of this album just throws me off. It's like it'll be very melodic. Like a couple songs will start up really melodic, almost like just hard rock, right? And then all of a sudden it'll get really heavy, and then the vocals kick in. And the vocals don't really match. I, I don't know. The vocals just don't really match this music to me for some reason. But the music's all over the fucking place. It's yeah. Like well, there's there's some of these that are classic carcass. I mean, uh, a little further in Kelly's Meat Emporium. I think it's track seven. True. That's a pretty good one. That sounds. To me, just like classic carcass, you know. Yeah. Um, I I would have to say that the middle of the album is the best. Yeah, the devil rides out is my favorite song. Oh, that's a great one. Yeah, but probably my favorite is track four under the under the scalpel blade. That's a good one too. Yeah. Yeah, I think like four, five, uh, six, seven. Those are about the best for me. And then the last track, the sights remorseless swings, pretty good as well. I I kind of. I kind of can't help but start to really like fade and lose interest in about Kelly's meat emporium though. So. Yeah. Well, I, I have to say that I kind of listen to the first song then I'll skip to track four and listen to a few and then I'm good. I think. Yeah. It's hard for me. I, it's been hard for me to get through the entire album from front to back. I, I'll admit it. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. I do like it. It's just, it is a, a weird one for me because it's all over the place. Like, I, like we both said, some of it sounds like rock or pop. But then they uh, mix it with other sounds. And then, yeah, it's just strange. I don't know. One, one I thing was, I noticed that I don't know if it if it's true or not, but I got a chuckle when I thought of it was track three is Eleanor Rigor Mortis. Yeah. I, love I wonder it. if it was like a play on like Eleanor Rigby. Well, yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. Okay. 
yeah, I, I was almost thinking that maybe they just like totally they did that actual song and then made it their own, you know, like changed yeah. the lyrics or something, but they they didn't. Uh-huh. And the devil rides out. I actually thought, um, I actually thought that might be like a a, a beefed up uh, Saxon song because they Saxon has a song called The Devil Rides Out, and I was like, is that the same song? But it's not at all. But I I thought that the beginning was not there after the first track. I did like the first track, but then for a while there, it was not not very enjoyable to me right but um i don't know i i think actually i might surprise you with my rating oh yeah yeah why what do you think well i'm actually gonna give i thought about giving it a seven and then i thought about a seven and a half and i thought about an eight i was all over the place um but i think i'm actually gonna give it an eight okay with this qualification if you will which is this is another instance where the 10 point is superior to the five star because uh-huh. there's no way this is a four star on like a five star scale no way no way in hell uh-uh. <laughs> so i'd probably give it like a three and a half right but then that would put it like at a seven which i don't think it, to me i like it those songs that I, I i listed i like them enough that it bumps it up and so i'd give it an eight out of ten but three and a half on the five star if we did it I'm kind of partial to the middle of the album, like, like under the scalpel blade, devil rides out flesh ripping song, torment limited. I think those are my three favorite songs. And that's where it's like, okay, this is pretty good. But then it just kind of takes a nosedive for me. And yeah. you know, f- 50 minutes to this, it starts to become kind of, there's some really good riffs where it really sucks. you. And it's like, wow, this is a cool part, you know, but it doesn't really maintain for me, you know? Yeah. And I, and I, I kind of fade, I lose interest kind of. So what do you give it? What do you give it then? I'm going to give it a seven and a half. I, I thought maybe I'd give it an eight. Mm-hmm. Maybe if I listen to it another couple of times, I'll like it more. But, you know, as it stands right now, um, yeah, 7.5 sounds about right. I was going to give it a seven, but there's a couple of songs that are kind of cool, you know, but I've never really been a Carcass fan. This is totally not how I remember Carcass being. If anything, it's better than how I remember Carcass being, you know? Yeah. But um, it's not really, doesn't really, like it, it, it kind of gave me a hard off, you know? <laughs> uh, it, it was kind of it was kind of ungasmic i don't know how to put it uh, well because yeah, so they just the, have those tracks there's a couple of them it sounds like radio songs or something you know yeah i mean you can tell they're talented and everything but it's like it's almost like they're trying to do too much or something and um the vocals like i said they just don't really match i, I don't know they don't really match i mean it's not like they're bad or anything he was definitely trying to scream a bit but i don't know it's okay seven and a half seven and a half and an eight uh, we are talking about uh, Torn Arteries from Carcass, which was released September 17th, 2021. It's 10 tracks, 49 minutes and two seconds. Yeah. So the topic today, have you ever heard of this? The Verona's incident in Russia. You, you know, I hadn't. Really? Uh, I can hardly spell the word. I didn't, I didn't know how to pronounce it. But once I searched it, then I was able to get the correct spelling. Yeah. And uh, you got it's the, interesting. It's interesting. You got the Google. You got the Google correction. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I can't wait. I'm sure you have some interesting tidbits for me, and I uh, can't wait to hear it. Oh, maybe not. It's just uh, it's it's something I've known about for quite a while, but it's one of those really obscure ones because it's in Russia, and people in the West don't really hear about the Russian ones. But this is one that was the kind of latched on and was covered in the Western media as well, and uh, it's quite a few quite a few witnesses. All right, dude. Tell me what you got. All right. Well. I learned from my searching, if you will, the, the, how do you, how do you say it? Verona's? I think it's Verona's. Yeah. The Verona's encounter took place in Russia 
it was a UFO incident um, that I guess by a group of children, right? And yep. took place on September 27th, 1989. What yep. is it with them appearing to children? It seems like we've talked about that a few times. So I know nothing. <laughs> well, then I'll tell you that from my expert research yeah. here. Okay. Uh, several boys were playing soccer in the park. Yeah, yeah. And they saw a pink glow in the sky. And then a red ball that they described about being three meters in diameter. Now, what's interesting about that, I, mean, I guess I could go on and say that, you know, the ball circled around and hovered, vanished, came back over the course of some time. What's interesting about this is you described Ian Efren from Cryptic Mutation described as well that it was like th that same coloring, right? Huh? Well, no, this was, they saw it as a pink glow in the sky, but when it landed, it was kind of, it was kind of white or like almost ivory colored. And it had legs, almost like an egg with legs. They were saying they were robots or something too, right? That came out, yeah. They were like these three-eyed robots and they had these big belts on. And um, they don't know if the actual big ones were robots, but they, they appeared to not have a neck. And it almost just like a dome for a head and these three eyes. And they had this weird like insignia or something on their chest, like a bronze sort of, they had like bronze boots. They were three-eyed. They had some sort of weird disc on their chest. And then there was like a, a robot that came out that was just like a box, a box with legs. And it had like lights and buttons and stuff all over it. Yeah. Did you see some of the drawings that the kids made of this stuff? Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. They, they drew them. I believe they drew them separately too. And they, they all kind of match each other, which is trippy. And yeah, sort I guess, of. And I guess they, the legs I, and stuff were a little different. Like one guy, yeah. one, you know, it's like some of the details were significantly different. But I think overall, the idea that they had you know, this circular thing in the chest. And... Well, yeah, and one was, was like a two-armed, two-legged humanoid thing, and, the, and yeah. the other one was a box with legs and arms, like an actual box, you know, like a robot-looking thing. Now, they don't know if there was two of the bigger ones in the craft because one apparently peered out when, it, you know, after it landed, one kind of peered out and then disappeared and then came out and then the robot followed it out. So they think there might have been three of the big guys, but they only saw two. Yeah, um, and they were tall, about nine feet tall, the aliens. Yeah, right. And, and um, uh, they apparently, apparently one of them had a uh, like a big tube or a cylinder that he pointed at one of the kids, and the boy disappeared. And yeah, yeah, and parents started or the adults around started screaming because you know a kid vanished, and then I guess he reappeared at some point later, and didn't really know what happened to himself. Like when they asked him, he's just like, I don't know, I don't know what happened. But he vanished for a good, like, I don't know how long, how long did it take? Um, like, it wasn't too long. Like 15 uh, seconds or something. Yeah. Yeah. It was relatively, and then they, they left after that. Yeah. Yeah. And then, but it, the weird thing is when they got out initially and were looking around, they didn't appear to notice all of these kids there. And there were, there were adults like a little further off and they didn't notice that the kids were there screaming when they saw these things and they just went about their business, like looking around or something. And I, I guess someone screamed, one of the kids screamed really loud. And that's what alerted the aliens that there were other people, you know, there were humans or other things that saw them there. And that's when he pulled out the thing and pointed it at the kid who was screaming and made him disappear. And then they got back in the ship. Yeah. And then it took off. Yeah. It's pretty. I, I found it here. It looks like he was gone for about five minutes. Oh, wow. That's a long time. Yeah, that is a long time. Yeesh. Yeah. So, and, and other people too. It wasn't just kids. Apparently, other Verona's residents that were later interviewed 
So they observed um, the UFO many times, not just that time, but on September 21st, 23rd, 29th, and then October 2nd. And they they made it sound like it was in the evenings between 6 and 9 p.m. for whatever reason. Maybe it's like when you go on fishing, the fish work the best (laughs) in the evening time. But yeah, it's really interesting that these kids kind of drew similar stuff. Why do you think that they tend to appear to kids, right? Well, I think they appear to anybody. I don't know if it's just kids. Well, but... A lot of the things that we've talked about have to do with the school kids. There was the one in Africa. Is it was it Zimbabwe? Is that where it well, was? If we're studying like in, in the Serengeti and we're studying animals, wouldn't we like study the young? I suppose. Wouldn't we want to know, wouldn't we want to know you know, about Maybe no one will believe or... them. They know that they'll come running in and tell people when they get yeah, right. <laughs> if anybody you'd believe them right because a bunch of kids aren't going to make up something like that and stick to it i don't think what was interesting is there was only one media outlet t-a-s-s i don't know what that stands for i didn't bother to look it up right. but uh they were the only news outlet to print the story in russia right and later on i guess one of the guys that was involved went on to say basically that oh, I told them some stuff and then uh, they just ran with it and sort of made it a little more sensationalized. It almost it almost read like he was trying to say that it was basically a National Enquirer tabloid kind of article or something. You know, I don't really know how well this was received in other places, but what do people look at it that are into this type of thing? Is it a reputable Well, the interviews that, the interviews that I saw with the kids and the uh, adults they seemed fully convinced that they saw what they did, you know, that they saw what they said they saw. And it didn't really, it didn't come up to me like they were lying because I, I watched a documentary about it and they, they seemed pretty, there was a bunch of them too. I mean, there's a bunch of kids and some adults, I guess, who were there in the park at the same time. Yeah. And it and didn't really seem, 10, didn't really, yeah, 10, 10 or 15 12, people, something like right, that. And it didn't really seem like they were making it up. I mean, they, I guess they could have been, but what is the point? And then you have other residents in that area also who said that they saw something flying around you know at, at about the same time same location who weren't they aren't connected with these kids so i don't know why they would be making it up at the same time it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense yeah i don't know what do you um, think about it um it seems to me like it probably happened but uh there is some there is some skepticism um there was a, a dr Silinov, i guess of the verona's geophysical laboratory as confirming the location of the landing using bilocation. I've never heard of that. Now, according to Paul Kurtz, the method of bilocation they used was a form of ESP dowsing. Oh, God, come on. I know, exactly. (laughs) Whose effectiveness most Westerners question. Well, yeah, that sounds ridiculous. Now, the report was most publicized, the most publicized of a series of UFO claims made by official government media and were promoted as part of the government's new openness you know, remember, you know, like Glasnost and all that shit in the late 80s. Um, it was noted that unlike in America, the reported beings were completely apolitical and did not even speak during their visit, quote unquote, uh, in the immediate aftermath of the alleged incident. Hundreds of UFO reports began appearing with a reporter from Cosmo, oh my God, Cosmo Molskaya Pravda, even claiming to have an exclusive interview with alien beings from Red Star. That's ridiculous. That just yeah. that just makes it go off the rails right there. Yeah. Now, in in addition to TASS, uh, Sovietskaya Kultura, a Communist Party paper, publicized the children's claims with the communist newspaper defending its decision, saying, "quote 
Um, its coverage was motivated by the golden rule of journalism. The reader must know everything, unquote. Yeah, inquiring minds want to know. Kind of, yeah. The newspaper was reportedly asked whether the report was in jest and, repeat, and repeatedly assured it was not in jest. So following the initial publicity, a private company was formed to sell tours to Verones, uh-huh. billed as Land of the Aliens for 59 <laughs> rubles or 95 bucks per person. Wow. So, you know, it could be like that Texas thing where someone just made it up to get, you know, garner some interest in the area and make some money. Yeah, there you go. That casts a little bit of a doubt on, you know, some aspersion on that whole thing right there. Yeah, but if there were kids that you think the kids were in on it, I mean, what, what are 10 kids going to plan well, and plot about this, you know? Well, what is this? That was 1989, right? And interviews with the children since they have nothing to gain and they still stand yeah. by the story. They still stand by what they said they yeah. saw. So yeah, maybe it was their adults, adults, you know, or the parents like getting in some big, like oval thing and coming out dressed as the aliens or something to scare the kids. Right. But then how, know. but they then just... how would they make the thing take off or yeah. fly around the sky or make the kid disappear? Unless it was, <laughs> right, right. That, unless maybe, that was fake. Right? Maybe, maybe been. they're fabulous magicians, you know, like they're all these adults are incredible, like illusionists to fuck with the kids and get a story out there. No, I don't know. I kind of think it happened. I think it's been sensationalized, but I think something happened. Something. Do you think that the kid disappeared? Well, according to the other kids, and then one of the adults apparently saw it and was screaming her head off about it until the kid came back. So I don't know why you'd lie about that. I mean, I don't know. How would you do that? Yeah, I don't know. Unless they're all in on it, you know, maybe they are. Russians are a strange bunch. You never know. Or maybe, or maybe they just, uh, whatever it was that they saw. I mean, like I said, a lot of people seem to report similar types of colors and of lights and stuff like that, you know, and people describe them differently. What they see, some people might describe a, a, a ball. Some people might describe a disc of some sort, right? Right. Um, there could be just different types of, of craft, but they seem to all kind of have that red or mo- most of them seem to have that kind of reddish type of lights. Maybe they did see something that was a legitimate thing. And right. then someone took it and ran with it, the story and yeah, the private corporation to run tours, you know, there's, there's going to be a- people that are do- enterprising to do it, enterprising enough to do it, right. Take okay. advantage. Sure. Now, for, apparently there was an incident very similar to that, to that story, or there was a story that was similar to that, Verona's incident that was in uh, an American magazine called Saga. Uh, it was very similar, but um, the task reporter stated that the witnesses, you know, being in Russia, probably hadn't read it, so they right. didn't know. You know, they hadn't known anything about it, but it was very similar. Um, and then I guess the U.S. You remember that show, A Current Affair, from like the nineties? Yeah, I do. I do. They it was like late eighties or something like that, right? Early yeah. 80s. And they sent a. I guess they sent a crew to report on this alleged incident. Um, I don't know what the outcome of that was, but um, yeah, trippy, huh? Yeah. Now, Soviet Scientific Commission ordered an inquiry into the alleged incident. According to Paul Kurtz, writing in a 1990 volume of Skeptical Inquirer, the scientists in the Soviet Union who had studied the evidence included members of the Verona's Amateur Section for the Study of Abnormal Phenomena, unquote, who visited the site a week after the alleged event and used a form of ESP dowsing. There's that shit again. Yeah, see, that, that's where you lose me right there. You don't know, it loses me too. Now, regarding claims made in initial test reports of extraterrestrial rock found at the site, um, Silanov of the Verona's geophysical lab later stated it was a form of hematite commonly found in the Soviet Union. 
and told Soviet socialist industry, I don't believe all you hear from TASS. I don't believe all you hear from TASS. We never gave them part of what they published. So that sounds kind of disreputable right there, right? Yeah, like they just made it. They took whatever it was, actual reported event, right. and then just sensationalized it. Now, though the area was found to have an above average presence of the radioactive isotope cesium, the vice rector of the University of Verona's Igor Serotovev stated it was insignificant, saying that the presence of a larger than normal quantity of the radio radioactive isotope cesium in the area of the alleged sighting did not constitute proof of a landing. Noting that after Chernobyl, this kind of phenomenon has been found in many areas, you know, because that all that radiation that was that went into the atmosphere from Chernobyl. Yeah. When did everywhere. Chernobyl happen? That was in, I think, April of 86. April of 86. Yeah, that was a, ooh, that was a bad one. Yeah, it's um, creepy. I've seen some uh, YouTube videos where these where people go and check it out and stuff, and it looks. Oh yeah, creepy. the animals there are all messed up now too, and and it's just a ghost town. You you ever see the? Video? Some people live there in that area, though, dude. <laughs> yeah, there's they, not very many of them. They're not supposed to be there. Yeah. Do you you ever see the the video like right after it happened and those guys in those like like almost like homemade suits like with a bib on and a mask. Or like jumping on top of that building and like shoveling all that radioactive shit off the roof. And they can only stay up there like 15 seconds at a time. And uh, they were called the liquidators. And these liquidators went out there and were shoveling all that crap off of the roof of Chernobyl. Remember that? No, guys, I was a kid when that happened. Were... Those guys all, yeah, they all died. They got radiation poisoning and sure. thousands of people got radiation poisoning from that. So yeah, that doesn't, that's not really, that cesium part doesn't really, it doesn't mean anything actually. Yeah, so I what see do you find a lot of that stuff now everywhere too with... Uh... Thing, the thing that happened in japan a few years ago and right right stuff is doesn't go away for a very long time so i i kind of think this one may be just made up to be honest yeah everything from the beginning mm, i don't know i think maybe they saw something i think something happened but it was sensationalized and just blown out of proportion yeah, yeah. you know but when you have other people independently saying they saw something unexplained flying around that same area at the same time then you have kind of you know corroboration of something happened but as far as like, you know, the beings getting out and the kid getting vanished and all that. Yeah, I'm not quite so sure. I think it might be just yeah. the task, task making up a story that sounded cool. And maybe when they went to interview the kids, they all kind of ran with it, you know? Yeah, or they, they feed them that question, right? Who's doing these interviews? Right, right. exactly. Tell right. us what happened when you saw... When you saw the being with right. the three eyes, what did it look like? Right. Yeah, right. Why don't you draw what, us a picture? What, and what was that boxy robot that you were talking about? right yeah exactly oh it was boxy <laughs> yeah so I, I i give this like kind of on the fence thing as to what you know whether that was even you know sort of an extraterrestrial thing or who knows just made up yeah well it, it was only published again by that one media outlet in russia that's right so if, if there would have been well who knows right i mean at that time the media who knows what was going on right well, it says, here, it says here that Kurtz reported that Soviet evening news correspondent Vladimir Posner sent a film crew to Verones, but they couldn't find no other witnesses except for the children, leading Posner to suggest that the creative imagination of young children was perhaps at work. If so, this is not unlike many UFO cases in the United States as well. Fuck Mass that guy. hysteria. No <laughs> <laughs> what would Joe Nichols say about this one, Ian? Oh, he would say it was all bullshit, of course. Good old Joe Nichols. My hero. All right, man. Well, hey, this is a uh, one that seems kind of sketchy at best. 
Oh, here, here, listen to this part. Yeah, this is catchy best, but this one last part here. Regarding the wave of paranormal and UFO claims issued issuing from the Soviet Union in the 1980s and 90s, such as those from Verona's, Kurtz cited a Time magazine, October 23rd, 1989 issue that quotes a disillusioned Soviet party member who said, quote, they've been feeding us rubbish about the dreams of communism for years and viewed the state sponsorship of psychic and UFO claims as a new opiate for the masses. Trippy, huh? There you go. Well, let's wrap it up. All right. Yeah, well, sometimes it's you have good ones. Sometimes stories aren't so good. This is iffy. This yeah. is iffy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what that's kind of the, what's interesting, though, is you have this stuff that just seems iffy. And there's stuff right. like your description to me anyway, that you experienced is pretty solid because I know you. Oh, there's then, a lot of there's a lot of them that are solid, like Travis Walton and things like that. Phoenix Lights. Yeah. 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 Phoenix Lights. Definitely. And, you know, those Russians, you know, the flappy heads and all the lies. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> I'll cut that part. We don't want Putin to come after us. So I cut that part. Thank you. Thank you very much. We love you, Putin. You're very sexy, Vlad. I, I hope you're in power for another 30 years. Catch us for next uh, the next Scatterbrain podcast next week. Are we good? All right. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye-bye. All right, cool. We love you. We love you, Vlad. He's so muscular and sexy. So muscular and uh, on love, noble we, steed. Oh, his noble <laughs> steed with his pointy nipples. Oh, God. Here, yeah, okay. <laughs>
I'll give you something in return you come skydiving with. Like your soul? Bob! Seriously? What kind of a best friend are you? I'm sorry, that was wrong. No, of course not. Um, what do you have in mind? I don't know. Anything that you want to do that I may not want to do, I'll do it. In turn, you come skydiving with me. I'm not going alone. Hmm. Well, I would like to fly through space with my best friend strapped to my back. I'd have oxygen, of course, right? No. Bob, I would die. I need a suit and oxygen. I'd be in a vacuum of space. I'm a human. I would die. You would live for a good minute. And I can literally go around the solar system in less than a second. You would see such amazing sights before you die from your blood boiling. Besides, it would be funny. Watching me die as my blood boils would be funny to you? <laughs> yes. You're twisted. I am literally the devil, you know. Okay, good point. Let's see. Okay, I'll do it. I'll do it. Wait a minute, but... Yeah, I'll do it. That sounds like a fun. But you gotta come skydiving with me. Oh, yes, it is, it is. Oh, boy. Stay tuned for the thrilling conclusion of... My Best Friend Station! The Skydiving Episode. This Saturday on TBS.